Hey, what's going on, guys? Stay tuned for the conclusion of our latest episode, Jesus and the 144,000, today here on The Last Things Podcast. Let's look at verse nine. What does verse nine say? A third angel followed them. Hold on now. We see two angels flying through the skies. And now we're seeing a third angel shouting, anyone who worships the beast and his statue or who accepts his mark on the forehead or the hand must drink the wine of God's wrath. It is poured out undiluted into God's cup of wrath, and they will be tormented with fire and burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and the lamb. The lamb is capitalized, so this is Jesus. So here, the third angel tells John, "Any what does it say? Anyone who worships the beast and his statue, or what? Who accepts his mark on the forehead or the hand, must drink the wine of God's wrath. So here is where we tell, this is where we, where everyone says, when you worship the Antichrist, when you worship his the, uh, the statue, when you take on the mark, you are not saved. The Bible says you, there is no, there is no salvation for you. Here's where it comes from right here in this scripture. Anyone who worships the Antichrist, anyone who worships his statue, Anyone who takes on a mark of the beast, let me let me say this. There are some people who believe you can take on the mark of the beast and still and and your salvation and and still be saved because everyone that's everyone always goes back where where the Bible says every sin can be forgiven except blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, which cannot be forgiven. Right. So people believe. That's the only sin where you cannot be forgiven. They believe that's the only sin, you know, because that's what's in the Bible. That's the only sin you cannot be forgiven from. So people believe you can be forgiven for anything else except that one sin. And that's true. But what I'm bringing that up is because people because of that, people believe you can take on the mark of the beast and still be saved. But we see here in the scripture. The Bible says, if you take on that mark, you are not saved. Your salvation is gone. If you worship the Antichrist, your salvation is done. If you worship the stat, his statue, you are not saved. So when you do either one of these three things, you worship the beast, you worship the statue, or you take on the mark, it says, you must drink the wine of God's wrath, meaning there's no salvation for you. Jesus cannot save you. God's going to when God pours out his literally pours out his wrath on everybody. You're going to be one of the ones to feel his pain. 
And look what it said. And, and then look where it said. And, 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 and look what else it says. And they will be tormented with fire and burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and the lamb. Meaning you go into hell and everybody's going to watch you burn. If you worship the Antichrist, if you worship his statue or image, or you take on the mark of the beast, you are automatically just punched your ticket to hell. No questions asked. And no matter what you do, you will. there is no salvation for you, according to the scripture. So that's why I say, I believe, yes, blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is the is a sin that you cannot be forgiven from. But I also believe these script, the, you do one of these three right here. These are unpardonable sins as well. So as far as I'm concerned, there are four of them. These three plus blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Those four sins you can never be forgiven from. Everyone tries to say that you can be forgiven. You know, they take that, oh, well, any sin can be forgiven. So they, but except blasphemy, that's what the books say. Yeah, it says that. But you better read the rest of it. See, this is the key where you got to learn to read the Bible as a whole. Don't just take a scripture or two and try to make it fit what you wanted to say. No, nah, it's the, the Bible. The words, the, uh, the Bible says the Bible is a two, the word is a two edged sword. So if you cutting somebody else with the Bible. Best believe it's going to cut you, too. It's sharper than any two edged sword. So don't don't ever just use bits and pieces of scripture to make it fit. No, nah, you got to read that whole you got to read that whole book. You got to read the whole thing to understand. OK, now let's look at verse 11. The smoke from their torment rises forever and ever, and they will have no relief day or night, for they have worshipped the beast and his statue and has accepted the mark of the beast. Look, it says there's people who've done all three. They worship the beast, the Antichrist. They worship the statue and they took the mark of the beast. You got people who's done all three. It says you do one of the three, you in trouble. But it's got some people who say they've done all three of them. They've done all three. Let's keep going. Verse 12 says this. Let this encourage God's holy people to endure persecution patiently and remain firm to the end, obeying his commandments and trusting in Jesus. This this angel is telling God, telling the people, hey. If you are a servant of God, be encouraged. Don't listen to the warning that I'm telling you and be encouraged. Endure persecution. Yeah, you're going to be persecuted during this time. But the angel's telling them, hey, if you do one of these things or all three, your salvation is out the window. You can never be saved. Remember that the Antichrist is running a show right now. And everyone and, and, and in this, he has the power over all the all the saints. Worship me or die. And it might come a time where you might have to make that decision. An angel says, hey, don't worship him. Endure persecution to the end and trust in Christ. See, that's why the Bible says, uh, says about God. He's not a man that he shall lie. If he if he says he's going if he if he says endure persecution to the end, trust in Christ, trust and believe. He's telling you, hey, I'm going to make it. Trust me. They may take they may destroy your body, but I can destroy body and soul. Ooh, 
wow, boy, that shit, that's scary right there. He said, they can destroy your body, but I can destroy body and soul. But he'll make it so much worth your while. But that's why, but that's why it's important. Don't wait till all hell breaks loose to accept Jesus. You ain't got to do that. You can accept him now when all hell ain't broke loose. That's why, that's why I always end the episode with, um, with the invitation for salvation, because we want you to be saved now. So you don't have to go through any of these things here. You can be saved now. And, G and when the rapture takes place, you'll be one of the ones that Jesus say, no, nah, son or daughter, come with me. Come with me. Let me take you away from everything. Remember, what did he tell the church of Philadelphia? You keep my commandments and I'm going to keep you from the hour of testing that's going to come upon the whole world. So he's telling you, hey, you don't have all this that you're reading now. See, this is why Revel this is why Reverend, this is why the God says he blesses the reader because you can read all of these things and see how everything's going to end. But Jesus is also telling you, hey, you're seeing how everything's going to end. Right. But. If you let me into your life now, serve me, follow my teaching, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. And guess what? When all this stuff starts happening, you won't have to be a part of it. I'll take you away from all of this. And you won't have to go through any of this at all. Now, if you one of those 144,000, if you one of those Jews, Cause only because uh, I want you guys to know, notice about the 144,000. They are all Jewish. There's no Gentiles, all Jewish. Okay. That's a whole nother topic. I'm not even going to talk about that right now, but they are all Jewish. Okay. Now you very well could be one of 144,000. However, if you are just know whatever goes on, remember, what did the angel tell them? tell those other there was another angel told those other two angels hey don't touch the winds in the trees until god's people those 144 have been sealed with the mark and and what happens with them they are protected from who god's wrath and also who the wrath of the antichrist you can't touch them no evil will befall them so you you might be one of the ones that hey god deems you worthy and he's saying, hey, with all this that's going on, I'm not going to wrap you up. I want you to go preach to my people. I want you to save as many people as you can. And I'm going to put my mark on you so you don't have to fear anything that's going on during these times. No evil will befall you. You will not suffer anything because you, my mark is on you. See, that just go. It just goes to show how. It just goes to show how alpha God really is, that he can put a mark on you. And people know, oh, no, he's got the mark of God on him. Don't touch him. I can't touch him. I'm just throwing that out there for somebody, but I'm just letting you know, you see all this that's going on, except Jesus now. Don't put off till tomorrow what you can accomplish today, because tomorrow is not guaranteed. OK, but let's keep going. I'm sorry. Let's keep going. Let's go. Verse 13. And I heard a voice from heaven say this. Write this down. Blessed are those who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, 
says the spirit. They are blessed indeed, for they will rest from all their toils and trials for their good for their good deeds. Follow them. See, it goes right back to what he said. Trust in Christ during this time. Trust in him. And, and look what he says. Blessed are those who die in the Lord from now on. So he's saying from this moment forward, they who those who die in Christ. They are blessed. Even though they look and let's let's keep going. Yes, says the spirit. Spirit is capitalized. They are blessed indeed, for they will rest from all their toils and trials for their good deeds. Follow them. We see that he's saying, hey, from this, if you dine in Christ, you are blessed. Yeah, it, it may not seem like it. But you are blessed and you are blessed and their good deeds follow them. Meaning what? The Bible says he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him and their good faith without works is dead. If you have the faith to believe who Jesus is, you got to have some works to go along with your faith. Who are you professing it to? Are you who are you professing? Who are you talking to about Christ? What are you doing for Christ? For me, this podcast will be an example of my works because I believe who Jesus is and I believe that he is coming. So if I believe in then what am I going to do? I need to have some works to go along with my faith. So this podcast will be an example of my faith. Will be an example of my works. So you got to have some works to go along with your faith. Don't just sit on the sidelines and not do nothing. No, you get out there and share the gospel, share the word, share the word. If you got to, if you, if you, if you just too fearful of it, pray and ask God to, you know, the Bible says God is not, God not give you the spirit of fear. Sometimes the enemy will keep you fearful, fearful. So you won't say, so you won't speak, but you never know your words could save somebody's life and you'll never even know it. You can have somebody who might be having a bad day, ready to, <clears throat> ready to just throw it all away, throw in the towel, commit suicide and do whatever. But your words, but what comes out of your mouth could very well save that person. OK, now that's it for verse um, verse 13. So we're going to go to verse 14. This is um, then I saw the son of man. Now, here's John. He's seen Jesus again sitting on a white cloud. He had a gold crown on his head. So he's sitting. So John says Jesus is sitting on a cloud now. He's got a gold crown and he has a sharp sickle in his hand. Hmm, this is different. He's got a sickle. We haven't seen this. What's a sickle? A sickle is like a sharp edged instrument that farmers use, right? When it's uh, what farmers use, I had I had the definition pulled up my laptop earlier, but I don't have it now. But Google, Google, um, go on Google and look up sickle and it'll show you a picture of what a sickle is. And note. And when you see that picture, imagine Jesus holding that thing in his hand. OK, because that's what's happening now. Now, let's go ahead on to verse 15. Then an angel came from the temple. And call with a loud voice to the one sitting on the cloud. So an angel comes out of the temple 
And he calls out to Jesus. And what and this is what he tells him. Use the sickle for the time has come for you to harvest. The crop is ripe on the earth. Verse 16. So the one sitting on the cloud swung his sickle over the earth and the whole earth was harvested. The Bible, the King James said the whole earth was reaped. So an angel comes out of the temple of God and he tells Jesus, hey, swing your sickle. And Christ swings his sickle. Now, when it says the whole earth was reaped, and it says the whole earth was reaped, right? Now, I want I want to look, I want you to look at something else about ripe. Now, when we see ripe, ripe normally means um, you know, something is just right for you to eat it. But here, the Greek word is Zorano. X-E-R-A-I-N-O, meaning dry or, ri- or withered, meaning rotten. You know, sometimes when a baby, bi- when a baby, um, when you got to uh, change a baby's diaper and the baby pooped in the diaper, we always, sometimes you hear people say, ooh, this, this diaper is ripe. That baby is ripe, meaning she smell. he, mean the baby's smelling. That's what ripe means here. The world is producing a nasty a, a nasty odor, a nasty aroma. And that's what it means when you say he's ripe. Swing your sickle. And that's what Jesus does. He swings his sickle. And the whole earth is harvested. Now, I'm going to come back to that harvest part in a minute because we're going to go back to Matthew. And I want to um, look at something on Matthew. OK, I'm going to come back to it. Now, let's look at verse 17. After that. Another angel came from the temple in heaven, and he also had a sharp sickle. So now John said another angel came from the temple. And when he came, he had a sickle of his own. Verse 18, then another angel who had the power to destroy the world with fire shouted to the angel with the sickle. Here goes another angel coming out. So we see Jesus and we see one angel come out. And now we see another angel come out with his own sickle. And then we see another angel. And this angel has the power to destroy the world with fire. Boy, these angels are something else. These ain't no, I mean, these angels are powerful, man. They each have different powers. One's got a sickle. The first angel that came out to tell Christ, we don't know what it doesn't say. He, it says he had a loud voice. He had a loud voice. And then we see another angel come out. And he's got a sickle. And then we see another angel. And what's about what's the description about this angel? This one has the power to destroy the world with fire. This it says this one angel can destroy the whole world with fire by itself. Wow. It just goes to show these angels ain't, ain't to be played with. They are not to be trifled with, as we say. But let's keep going, okay? Then um Verse 17, after that, another angel came from the temple in heaven, and he also had a sharp sickle. Verse 18, then another angel who had the power to destroy the world with fire showed, shouted, I'm sorry, to the angel with the sickle. This is not Christ. Remember, there's another angel that's come out with the sickle. So he ain't shouting. This angel not talking to Jesus. This angel's talking to the other angel with his own sickle. And what does he tell them? Use your sickle now to gather the cluster of grapes from the vine of the earth, for they are fully ripe for judgment. Now, we see Jesus is is reaping the entire earth. 
But here, this angel is 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 uh, using his sickle to gather the grapes from the vines of the earth, for they are fully ripe for judgment. Now, what is it? I'm gonna come back to it. Okay, we're gonna come back to it, with Matthew. Well, I'm going to go to Matthew and I'm trying to tie it all together. So the angel swung his sickle on the earth and loaded the grapes into the great wine press of God's wrath. Verse 20. And the grapes were trodden in the wine press outside the city and blood flowed from the wine press in a steam about 180 miles long and as high as a horse's brittle. So. We see that it says the blood flowed from the wine press and it steamed and it was about 180 miles long. And it was as high as a horse's brittle. What's a horse's brittle? If you go on Google and look it up, it's the thing. It's the kind of like the mask that the horses wear. When uh, when you have a rider on a horse. Now, remember when I said I want to tie all of this together. I want you to go to Matthew chapter 13. I'm going to try to tie this together. Okay. Matthew chapter 13. And I want you to go to verse 24 through 30. I'm going to tie this. I'm going to try to tie this all together with something Jesus said. Oh, man, I figured I did that. I figured I did that. Okay, let's do this the old-fashioned way. Hold on. Let me see if I can pull it up real quick on my laptop. Okay. We want to go to Matthew chapter 13. And I want to look at verse 24 through 30. Okay. I'm going to try. I'm going to tie. I'm going to do my best to tie all this together as far as the, the wine press and the reaping sickles. I'm going to try to tie all this together with what Jesus said. Let's go down to verse 24. This is the parable of the weed and the weeds. Here is another story Jesus told. The kingdom of heaven is like a farmer who planted good seed in his field. But that night as the worker slept, his enemy came and planted weeds among the wheat, then slipped away. Verse 26. When the crop began to grow and produce grain, the weeds also grew. Verse 27 says the farmer's workers went to him and said, sir, the field where you planted that good seed is full of weeds. Where did they come from? An enemy has done this. The farmer exclaimed, should we pull out all the weeds? They asked verse 29. No, he replied, you'll uproot the wheat if you do. Verse 30, let both grow together until the harvest. Then I will tell the harvesters to sort out the weeds, tie them into bundles and burn them and put the wheat in the barn. So this parable of the weed and the weeds, we see what Jesus says that an enemy came in and planted weeds among the wheat and then left. The workers asking, should we pull the weeds out? Jesus says, no, if you do, you'll pull the wheat as well. He said, let them both grow until the harvest. And then I'll tell the harvesters 
to sort out the weeds from the wheat. He said, I'll tell them to sort out the weeds. I won't, they won't touch the wheat. He said, I'll tell them to pull the weeds out. I'll tell the harvesters when it's time to harvest. I'll tell, I'll tell the harvesters, pull out the weeds, tie them into bundles and burn them and put the wheat in the barn. You see that? Now let's look at Revelation uh, chapter 14 again. After reading that, then another angel came from the temple in heaven, and he also had a sharp sickle. Then another angel who had the power to destroy the world with fire shouted to the angel with the sickle. Use your sickle now to gather the cluster of grapes from the vines of the earth, for they are fully ripe for judgment. Don't that sound familiar? What did Jesus say? I'll tell my harvesters to do what? Gather all the grapes. If we take our weeds, we can put grapes right there. And then look what it says. He's going to tell them to tie them into bundles and burn them. What does this angel tell the angel with the sickle? Swung, the angel swung his sickle and loaded the grapes into what? The great wine press of God's wrath. Here in Matthew chapter uh, 13, Jesus said the harvesters are going to be told, sort out the weeds, tie, tie them into bundles and what? Burn them. Here, this angel does what? He gathers the grapes. He gathers the cluster of the grapes. And loads them into the wine press of God's wrath. When you hear wine press, that's the way that's just that's in the Old Testament. That's what they said when God's judgment, he they were loaded into the wine press. He was going to crush them. That's what they that was just a saying for God's judgment. So do we see how Matt, how this parable of the weeds and the weeds looks so much identical to what's going on with the harvest of the earth? Because notice what did they say? They said, let them both grow. Jesus said the uh, the the uh, the uh, the farmer told the workers, let them both grow until the harvest. And we see in here in Revelation, this is what's going on. The earth is being harvested. Jesus goes through and the earth is reaped, meaning he's beginning to separate. He's separating the grapes. Note what it say. The grapes. From the grapes are fully ripe for judgment, meaning they're oh, they're ready. Now here we're saying ripe is ready, saying they're ready for the judgment. Now this this ripe means what we know as ripe, like it's ready. He's saying these these grapes are ready for judgment, and the second and, and first Christ swings his sickle over the entire earth, and now. The second angel, now that, that Christ has separated the wheat in, 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 in here, he said what? The harvesters will sort out the wheat and the weeds. Jesus just reaped the entire earth. This other angel is using his sickle to do what? He's gathering all the grapes, meaning all the people who worship the Antichrist. This angel is going to gather all of them and they're going to be crushed. All of this is a symbol. John is seeing right now with the harvest of the earth. All of this is a symbol for the battle of Armageddon. That's what all of this is. 
It's a symbol of the battle of Armageddon because that's exactly what's going to happen. Jesus is going to come and he's going to defeat the entire all of his enemies. And if you notice, when Jesus reaps the earth, he did it all by himself. He ain't need no kind of help. All of this from Revelation in Revelation chapter 14 from verse 14 on down to verse 20, I believe, where it says the harvest of the earth. This is all talking about the battle of Armageddon. That's what this is. John is seeing the final battle between Christ and the Antichrist and his people. That's what he's seeing. That's what this is. But I wanted to come back to Matthew because Matthew chapter 13 is the same thing. This is talking about the battle of Armageddon. The wheats and the weeds are able to grow. He said, if you pull the weeds now, you're going to damage the wheat. Let them both grow. And when a time comes, the harvesters are going to go through and they're going to pull the weeds. And then he's going to tie them all together and burn them. And look what it says about the wheat. He's going to put the wheat in the barn, meaning he's going to save the wheat. That's the battle of Armageddon. That's exactly what's going to happen. They're going to go through and all the people who worship the Antichrist when Jesus comes. They're going to be they're ready for judgment. And they're going to be thrown and, rem and remember what did the angel say? They were going to be thrown into the lake of fire to burn for all eternity in front of God's holy angels and in front of Christ himself. That's what this talks about, the battle of Armageddon. And we're going to see that later on. We're going to see the battle of Armageddon. We're going to see that. But that's what this is. Amen. So, guys, that's it for this lesson for Revelation chapter 14, um, the, where we saw the lamb and 144,000. And then we saw these other, we saw a bunch of angels in this chapter. I'm not even going to lie to you. We saw a lot of angels in this particular chapter. We saw a lot. And we asked John also seeing the battle of Armageddon before it happens. He's seeing it in the spirit, but it hasn't happened on earth yet. That's what John is seeing right now. Okay. But we're going to get to the battle of Armageddon. We're going to get to it uh, in a couple of chapters. Okay. But, but for chapter 14, hey. That's it for, for this particular episode, guys, okay? So before we end every episode, as I said, we want to offer salvation to you. The Bible says that the shedding of blood, there can be no remission of sin. You see, We've seen here where God, where the angels told the people, hey, from this moment on, trust Christ, trust God, trust his word. Blessed are those who die in the Lord. And that's not, and when you, and, and, and I want you to think about something. When the angel uses that scripture, blessed are those who die in the Lord. That's not talking about the end time. That's talking about for right now, too. That's talking about for right now. You know, I was thinking about this yesterday. You know, we, we have a bad habit of whenever somebody dies, we always want to say, oh, they're, oh, they're looking down on us. They're looking down on us. They're looking down on us. But we got to be truthful and ask ourselves, hey, did that person really live a life worthy of Christ? Did they really live that life worthy of Christ or not? We always assume that that person's going to heaven, but we got to be truthful because that's how God's going to do us. He's going to ask. We're gonna, we got to be truthful. We got to ask ourselves, hey, did they have a relationship with the Lord? Because if they didn't, 
and they died. They not up there in heaven. They not. They are down. They are not in heaven. They are suffering torment right now. Because they were not saved. They lived their life how they wanted to live it. And hey, you have that free choice to live it how you want to. But just know, you too will have to stand before God. And you too will have to give an account of everything that you've done. And if you and if it's an account that's not worthy of the kingdom, what do you think he's going to honestly tell you? Do you honestly think he's going to say, well done, my true and faithful servant? Or is he going to tell you, depart from me, work of iniquity? That's a real question. That's a real question. You know, my pastor used to always say, hey, ask yourself this question. If you were to die in 60 seconds and you knew you had 60 seconds before you were going to die, look over your life and ask yourself, did you live a life worthy of Christ or did you or not? If you can look at yourself and ask, ask that question and be truthful with yourself, don't lie to yourself. Be truthful. Let the Holy Spirit tell you, no, nah, you ain't lived no life like that. You didn't live a life like that. And if you hearing the Holy Spirit right now telling you, no, you have you have you have the time right now to fix that. Give your life to the Lord today. Let the Lord lead you. And, I, and I'm going to tell you, and, and I always say this, don't think that when you come to him, things are going to automatically be fixed. Everything's going to be just normal. Everything's going to be OK. No, that's not necessarily true, because if anything, the target on your back is a whole lot wider, meaning you're going to have more more to worry about. But as the angel told him, you blessed are those who die in the Lord. Blessed are those who also accept the Lord, too. Yeah, you might be catching holy hell right now, but just know this in the end, as the angel said, it's going to be worth it in the end. Your treasures should not be on earth. The Bible says store up your treasures in heaven. That way they cannot be rotted away or eaten away. That's that's the ultimate goal. That's the ultimate goal. Don't worry about what's going on down here. You just keep serving God. You 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 serve God and he's going to take care of everything. So accept Jesus today. Don't wait till tomorrow. If you if you if you if you know you haven't lived a life worthy. Don't wait till tomorrow, which you can put off today. Accept the Lord today. So this is what I want you to do. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And we're going to just pray this simple little prayer. Lord Jesus, I confess that I am a sinner in need of a savior. I ask you, Lord, come into my heart. Make me, shape me, mold me into the person who you've called me to be. I submit my life to you. My life is now in your hands. In the name of Lord Jesus, I pray and thank you. Amen. Now, we're going to believe that if you pray that simple prayer, you have now, with all your heart, you have now transferred over from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. Your name is now written in the Lamb's book of life. And if the Lord was to return right now for his church, you would be one of the ones to go with him. He would now say, he would, he's telling you now, because you chosen me, you kept my commandments, I'm you chosen me. Now, I'm going to keep you from the great testing that's going to come upon the whole world. It's like he told that church in Philadelphia, 
You you are one of the ones he's talking to now. When this battle of Armageddon comes, when all these things start happening, Jesus say, oh, no, you you won't see those, those tribulation saints will have to go through. But because you chose me now before all of this took place, I'm going to take you away from this. You won't have to sit. You won't have to go through any of this. But if you do, if he says you do and you're not raptured up, just know that mark that's going to be on you. Can't nobody touch you. No evil will befall you. No matter how God is punishing the earth, he's going to keep your he's going to keep you. Man, let me tell you something. A, a few um a few days ago here in Houston, we had a man, a bad storm that came through. Bad storm that came through. And the neighbor to the right of me, I guess lightning hit or something, and it shorted out the compressor in their air condition. Shorted out the compressor in the air condition. And then my wife said a couple of houses down, there were people who were sitting out um, for trash day after the storm. They were sitting out boxes of fans, empty boxes, of course. So you could tell they had a bunch of fans in the house. There was another I went to I went out of town with my church Saturday and one of the elders was telling me about how he didn't have no AC for two days after that storm. So I've noticed everybody I noticed people air conditions were damaged because of this storm. But, you know, one thing that I noticed as well, my house did not see any of that damage. I didn't have no kind of damage from my air condition with that storm. None at all. Am I righteous enough for God? Am I righteous? No. But because of me confessing who Jesus is, Lord of my life, God saw fit to keep my house where I didn't have to go through what everybody else is going through right now. Now, I'm not saying I'm, I'm so great and highly and everything. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying how do you see how things can happen to other people and God will keep you while everything else is happening to other people? God say, no, nah, that's not going to happen to you. And I'm not saying that the other and when they talk about the elder of the church, that's nothing bad. He, he, he is a good man, very good man, follower of Christ as well, submitted. I mean, just a mighty man of God. But for whatever reason, God said, I didn't have to go through what he told, what he has him go through. But I, all I could do is just thank God. And like I say, I'm not worthy and I'm not no better than the next person. That's why I don't walk around looking at people in judgment. I don't try to make people feel like I'm better than them. No, nah, because if I have that attitude, Jesus could tell me how they have a speck in their eye. You got to beam in yours. So I don't do that. I'm just telling I'm just using that as a as a as a testimony to tell you when you submit yourself to the will of God, when you let the will of God uh, happen in your life, no matter what's going on in the world, God will always keep you. Period. There's no ifs, there's no ands, there's no buts about it. Okay. Always keep that in mind. No matter what's transpiring, no matter what's going on in the world, God will always keep you through it all. Amen. 
Amen. So guys, that's it for this lesson, man. Thank you again. Thank you guys for tuning in to this week's episode. I love you guys so much. If you like, if like I said, hit that like button, hit subscribe and share the video, man. Let's, you know, go share the video with some of your friends as well. And if you, and if you, uh, if you would like to as well, you can listen to us on Anchor, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. Subscribe to the channels. Subscribe, and you know you don't have to wait till YouTube. You can stream it on the um, stream it through one of those podcasts. Excuse me. And if you listen through one of those streaming services, you can always look at the live video on YouTube. Okay. And for for those, uh, so you know, come check your boy out, man. Well, guys, I love you. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode for this week. Next week, we are covering Revelation chapter 15. Chapter 15 is very short. I think it's only eight verses, if I'm not mistaken. I believe it's only eight. And chapter 15 really is a setup for chapter 16. Chapter 16 is where we're going to see God's wrath literally poured out on the earth. That's what we're going to see in chapter 16. Also, in chapter 16, I don't know if you guys remember, but way back, I said that there was a prophecy about the Euphrates River that we were going to see later on. Because remember how we talked about the, um, there are four angels bound up in the Euphrates River, but there was another prophecy about the Euphrates River. We're going to see that other prophecy in chapter 16. We're going to see that. I, I, I want you to keep that in your mind about that Euphrates River, the four angels bound up. We're going to see the rest of that prophecy in chapter 16 because there's another part of it. But we're going to see it in chapter 16. OK, but I want you guys to keep that in mind. So but like I said, chapter 15 is very short. It's only eight. Um, It's only eight verses. So the way I might do it, I might just do eight, 15 and then go into 16 right there or make a separate episode for just chapter 15 by itself. I don't know. We'll see what we'll see how we do. But anyway, guys, that's it for this lesson. That's it for this episode. I love you guys. Please remember, pray the Lord's prayer before you leave. And please pray the arm of God prayer before you walk out the door with you and your family, especially your kids, because schools are starting. Make sure to pray that armor of God for your children. Make them pray that prayer before they walk out that door every single morning. So they will be protected from the enemy, from the traps of the enemy. Okay. And you pray for yourself as well. Amen. I love you guys. You guys have a blessed week. Please be safe out there. And I'll see you again, again here next week with another episode of the Last Things Podcast, where we are on a journey to truth. Love you guys. Be blessed.